You're listening to Boston Strongcast, a place where we talk all things powerlifting, strength, and the occasional scientific nerd session. I'm your host, Kevin Can, the owner of Precision Powerlifting Systems, strength coach and competitive powerlifter in the USAPL. Thanks for tuning in, and let's get stronger together. Hey guys, this is Kevin Can with Boston Strongcast. Um, we had some technical difficulties as we were trying to start this recording. I'm um, joined here by Jess Burdick of J Birdie Fitness. What I want to talk about today is I want to talk about the trip that I made out to Westside and kind of the training itself, how I'm going to implement some of the changes with PPS um, and just like the conversations I have with Louie and stuff. But to keep me on track, I'm going to have Jess actually here to kind of almost like interview me for it so that I don't just like <laughs> jump from one thought to another because it's going to be very easy to do that under uh, under these given situations just because there was so much that happened um, mm -hmm. over that weekend. Mm -hmm. So I'll give it to Jess. We'll let Jess start this right from the fucking top. <laughs> um, well, we were just talking about it prior to starting to record and I was like, uh, 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 he was doing it like you were trying to go on. So it's good that I am here. I guess we could start from the very, very beginning. And how did you initially get the invite to Westside? And then what made you want to go there to learn? I'd heard stories about in the past that like Louie would just like answer the phone at the gym or whatever. But if you go online and stuff, you just, you can't find a phone number. But there's email addresses that are posted on the internet. So I like emailed every email address that I like found on the page and just like copy and pasted my first response and just and just sent them out and I didn't hear back how many emails did you send a few I didn't hear back on the first couple and like once a week I would just kind of like go through and hit resend so I maybe sent it like three different times oh I, I don't know not that's like not, that's not a ton but I was doing it enough where I probably just wasn't giving him enough time to respond but then he had sent back his a phone number and it actually ended up so the first time I called it it's his wife on an answering machine. Like I haven't heard an answering machine. It, it sounded like a regular, like old school answering machine. Like nineties. Like nineties. Like and I'm like, wow, I haven't heard one of these in a while. So actually I left a message the first time that I called, left my phone number. <laughs> um, and like two days later he called me back and we ended up chatting for a little over an hour, I think. Um, and he basically, like, I just was, like, asking him about, like, training and all that stuff. And, uh, you know, we were just, like, shooting the shit. And he kind of just, like, opened up and was like, well, you came out to Westside in nine weeks. I put 250 pounds on your squat or whatever you had said at the time or whatever. And I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. Uh, so I ended up getting off the phone with him that day. And then afterwards, like, thinking about him being like, man, I got to go out there for a period of time just to experience it right so like he'll tell you so when you're sitting there and you're talking about programming he's like these are the numbers you run this is the band tension all of these things but it's like man there's got to be more to this than just that because if it was that simple everybody that just followed that formula would get as strong as the people going to west side especially like if you think of the massive pool of people that grab a west side template and run it compared to how many people actually walk through that gym and actually train it right like just from sheer numbers alone of people doing the west side stuff you would think that there'd just be a ton of like world record holders or whatever in the, mm -hmm. um, that just run those templates. So I was like, there's gotta be more to it. So I called them up and I was like, Hey, can I come up for a period of time or whatever? And Originally you wanted to go for like a month, right? Yeah. I was trying yeah. to go for a month, but he had some, some stuff going on that wouldn't 
that just didn't make the logistics possible. And with all the like current events going on in the world, like travel restrictions and all of these things. So I just, I wanted to make sure I got it in. So yeah, I was able to do a week before like maybe there's another travel ban or something. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I didn't want to keep pushing it off and not do it and then get into a position where I regretted not, not just going. Yeah. So I set it up really quick. So I had talked to him. We had a meet on October 24th that I wanted to coach at. So I coached at that meet. And then that following week, I took off to Columbus. Did you going into it feel like you knew you were what you were getting into? Did it meet your expectations, like in terms of like what you thought was going to happen? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I thought I was like, I mean, we've all heard stories about it. And like, I kind of like from talking to So I had before I'd gone, I'd probably talked to Louie on the phone, like at least four or five times. So I had a good understanding of what I was going to do on that training day going in. Oh. Like I knew how much band tension I was going to use. I knew what time I had, I was going to have to train at. What time did you have to go? I had to be there at 4.30 in the morning. So I had all these like expectations of like, yeah, the training is going to be really hard. The environment will probably be pretty intense. Um, you know, from talking with Louie, I kind of knew what his personality was like going into it. So like I kind of. I had these expectations going in and like I traveled the whole day, the day before, so I couldn't get a direct flight to Columbus. So it took me six hours to get in there. Which is so weird because we've been to Columbus a few times and it's like the easiest trip. Yeah. Usually it's pretty easy. (laughs) Yeah. So between like layovers getting in, I stayed at a hotel in downtown. So I got there, I put my stuff down and I wanted to just drive to Westside. I had been there one other time, but because I had to drive there so early in the morning, I didn't want to like yeah. get lost at 4.30 in the morning. So yeah. I just took a quick drive, got a bite to eat. And I didn't like lay down in bed until 9 o'clock. And I had to get up at 3.30 the following oh morning. Gosh. So I was fucking spent. So my alarm goes off. Well, actually, I woke up before my alarm. I literally chugged a hot coffee, ate like a cliff bar or something, and then <laughs> and then headed to Westside. And the whole time, like in my head, I was like giving myself a pep talk because I'm like, this training is going to be hard. Like, don't bitch out. Like, those t- that type of, like... You did that for, like, two days straight oh, in yeah. your head. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, like, I, I get there. I'm pulling in, and I'm just... I got there a little early because I wanted to just, like, get my mind straight to be, like, hey, I'm pulling into West Side. I wanted to catch my breath before I actually, like, went in there and start training. But Louie's walking around in the parking lot. It's fucking pitch black. I almost run him over. What was he doing? I don't know. I think he was actually just opening up the gym. And then he oh. went and sat in his Jeep. And then he waved me over. So I ended up sitting in the front seat of his Jeep for... 20 25 minutes as we waited for the rest of the group to show up and we were just kind of like shooting the shit about training and he was just telling stories and in my head i'm like it's fucking 4 30 in the morning i'm in columbus ohio and louis simmons front seat of his jeep and just shooting the shit with him about training about to go in and like actually lift weights this early in the morning okay so you get in and how many what was the training session like with, and how many people were there? So there are four people in the group, but only three were training. Okay. Uh, one of the lifters, she blew out her knee on her opening squat two weeks before. She still, had, she still was there. It was the first day she had been in the gym, oh. I guess, since it had happened. Oh. So, but she had like the big knee brace on and couldn't really do anything. Um, but Louie had her do some like really light, like rehab type stuff. So we got in there. And he was telling me, like, whatever you need to do before you squat, do it now. Because once, once we start, we start type of thing. But everybody just warms up with the empty bar there. And that's what I do. So that was fine. 
Um, so we go in there. I put the we put the blue bands on. So it's 250 pounds of band tension. There's um, a box safety squat bar in the monolift. Like that's not unusual. But on the floor, there are these two foam pads. Like these big. They had to be 12 inches thick. And I was like, what the fuck are these? And I've seen like the foam pads used to like sit on on for box squats. Yeah. But these were literally on the floor. So I I just assumed that they were there and they weren't part of the actual like. Um, training exercise, but I was wrong when it came to that. So he actually had us stand on these foam pads. Now they sunk in a lot, so they weren't super unstable, but they were unstable enough. And I've never used band tension like that before. I think the most band tension I ever used was maybe like 170, 150. So this is by far the most. So between just 250 of band tension on the safety squat bar and standing on those foam things, like I felt very unstable. And I was like, holy shit, this is going to be a... uh, yeah, we were all like, what is he, when you post that video, we're all like, what is he doing and what is he standing on? Okay, so I have a question really quick. Um, does Louie train them every day or do they sometimes go there with that? Like, I guess I never realized that he actually coached because when a lot of times like you own a gym, especially west side you don't necessarily think of the owner actually still coaching so is that what he does oh yeah he coaches all the groups he doesn't there's not anybody who comes in there to train that he doesn't watch when they come in there to train is there any other trainers there they have some coaches there but there's no members it's an invite only facility okay. so they so one of the days they had some like mma guys that were doing some training and the coach that was doing like their stuff um on sunday george halbert had a group of maybe 15 that were benching but um, yeah, the gym's not open for commercial use, so it's just Louie and the... So it's a, it's a training facility more than it would be an actual gym, and he watches. So, like, Jeremy Hartman brought Shelby Miles up, and he watched every one of Shelby's lifts. Wow. Like, when he's in the gym, he's watching, he's coaching. Um, and you can tell he just has, like, a real passion for it. Um, so, sure. so he's coaching you with the foam pads and... Um, I'm actually really glad you got a video, because we were... I was like, are you going to video yourself? And you, you were like, I'm not going to video myself at Westside. So we're all thankful we got to see that. But what was it like with him, like in your ear coaching you? So in the beginning, I had no intentions of like putting up my phone. But so even from the empty bar, he's like having me sit back more. He put his hands on me to put me in the right position on the box so that like my back was arched right. Um, and he was just like, explaining the box squat to me and like giving me technical feedback and stuff like that. And so because it started to move so quick, so I took the empty bar with just the bands immediately got into my gear. So just my bottoms and they get into their briefs and then we put a plate on and same thing. Like he's giving me like technique feedback and all of that stuff. I did a couple sets there. Then I put two plates on and because he was giving me so much feedback afterwards and it's moving so fast, I'm starting to get a little winded. So I'm like, as this gets into like the top working sets that we're doing and we're moving this quick, I'm going to be so tired that I'm, I'm going to miss what he says to me. So I want to record it just to hear what he was saying more than um, anything else. So I just like popped up my phone. So like the videos are actually like four or five minutes long just because I oh. didn't want to like miss those things. Um, but like he literally was in your face coaching you the entire time. And like when that's happening, and I experienced this when Shaco coached me in person too, it's like, you don't think about the weight on the bar. You don't think about anything other than executing the lifts, listening to that feedback, making the adjustment rep to rep and like, and just getting after it. So like, it's definitely like a different, 
I mean, you get fucking pumped up that Louis Simmons is in your well, face. Yeah. Right? Actually, yeah. Squats, you know? Yeah. It didn't matter that you woke up at four, you know, three thirty. Oh no. Yeah. I mean, I literally like in my head was like, this is going to be the hardest thing you ever do. And like, like just giving myself one of those pep talks so that when I actually got there and, um, and did it, I was just like mentally prepared for it. Um, so you guys squatted and you, it just was kind of like one goes after the other. And I know you talk about this a lot, like what, so you guys were all doing the same thing. Well, this is like your new thing. Now you just posted an article about it and individualized programming. You guys did the same thing. Did you have to adjust rack height? Like what, what did you guys do for squats? So, yeah. So the band tension was picked off of the strongest person in the group squat. So it's 33% of the strongest squat. So the strongest squat in my group is 750, hence where the 250 comes from. Um, the exercise was just random. He just, they were coming off of a meet and he actually used the standing on the foam. He used that for some of his track athletes to build some leg strength. And he had, he was like, you'll feel this wherever you're weakest. And like, I'll say like probably because of the, uns, the lack of stability in the exercise, like I definitely got a pump in my lower back from, um, from doing it. But he, um, everybody does. So he ran the height of the monolith. So the monolith obviously goes up and down. You get off the box, you took your mats off, you put the mats on for the next person, you load the weights, unload the weights, whatever you're doing, spotting and like, and you just go and it just goes in a, in a circle like that. Um, and there were no breaks. Like as soon as I was done, uh, box squatting, I was basically either running the hooks or side spotting or oh. whatever the case was. So there wasn't really, you were moving the whole time. You weren't re- Yeah. You didn't rest. So you said start to finish the whole session took an hour. What else did you guys do? And then why did it only take an hour? Yeah. So it didn't even take an hour. Um, How? <laughs> so, oh, and the other thing about like the individualized training oh, yeah. is when you're with a group like that, that's pushing you and you're trying to keep pace with the strongest person, you're going to get strong, stronger. And I've said it on this podcast and my blogs that like, it's more about how hard you train than what's actually written on the piece of paper. And don't get me wrong. Some programs are better than others for sure. But if you're one of those and you're doing some high frequency, high volume program, it just means you're not training hard enough on the days you're in the gym. And if you're bringing like attention, focus, commitment, into you know you're going in and you're dominating every rep in training like it's that that's going to yield the results so by having to keep up with the strongest person in the group um it really does like it pushes you a lot differently and having training partners like that holds you accountable to training hard and doing those those other factors that outside of the like x's and o's that are written on the piece of paper like the the things that actually matter, like that training group and training together and just doing what everybody's doing. Like there's just a lot to be said for it, but nobody wants to pay a coach for the same program that everybody else is doing because, you know, the internet tells them that they're their own individual little snowflake and they need their own, their own training program or they won't get stronger because it's not what's best for them. And like what, what is best for them is finding a group of people that's going to push them to train even harder. Um, And that's what this was. So we did five by five squats so it was second week of their wave, so it should have been 85%, so 33% band tension. So for me, it was 250, right, of band tension. So then how I figured that out was 85% for me. So 80% for me should be like 405. Um, so another 5%, it's probably like 430-ish. So that 250, that means I probably should have had 180 on the bar. Um, if it was week one, it would have been like 165 or something like that to get up to that weight. 
but I ended up working up to 295 on the bar plus the 250 in band tension. And it's because Louis screaming at you, the group's screaming at you. They're encouraging you. They're pushing you. Um, and I do pretty well with the heavier band stuff anyways. So we did that five by five, but on the fourth set, he had us take a set of 10 instead of two sets of five. So it was, it was hard. And like the strain of everybody else too, was pretty hard on the squats. And then we went into a five by five deadlift. So it was on pin one in the rack. We, it was like 315 on there. So like 50%. So banged out a set of five there, two inch deficit, set of five, four inch deficit, set of five, six inch deficit, set of five. So we did the five by five like that. And you're supposed to go that fast. Oh yeah. We moved quick. Well, yeah, you said it was like 45 minutes. Oh yeah. Short rest. So we had started at 5 a.m. And it might've been even a few minutes after 5 a.m. By the time we actually started like squatting. And I didn't realize this at the time because everything's moving fast. We get to the restaurant. He walks in, sits down at his table. We sit down, coffee's in front of us. I finally check my phone and it's just 6 a.m. That's insane. So, and it was probably like a five to seven minute drive from the gym to the breakfast place. Um, so that was, what kind of day was that for them? It wasn't max effort, obviously. It was their dynamic effort. So that was their dynamic effort day. And one thing that was really surprising was how hard it was. It wasn't just like you move really lightweights fast and then you get in and out of there. And I think that's what dynamic effort gets misunderstood to be. It is. So the two days that I did, they were two of the hardest training days I've ever done in my freaking life um, in the gym. With the bench dynamic effort day, I literally couldn't lift my arms above my shoulders when it was done. Like that's how hard that freaking training day was. Um, what's the what's the deadlifts like there? So I, I think, so they don't have big pulls at West side and you could tell like Louie was like up on everybody with the squats, really coaching the squats. By the time I got to the deadlifts, he didn't really coach the deadlifts too much. Um, he gave, you know, some feedback here, or there it was basically just get the reps in at that point. Um, so one of the things is I think he's just really passionate about the squat, not so much the deadlift. And that's maybe why their deadlifts weren't as big, but they don't outside of that, they alternate usually a squat, a good morning and a deadlift on their max effort days type of thing. Mm -hmm. So they don't deadlift that often. Um, once, so once a week. Yeah. If that, no, no, no. Once a once, week, once oh, a week in dynamic effort day and sometimes max effort day. Same with the squats though. They squat once a week, sometimes on max effort day. Okay. Um, <laughs> so explain. Okay. So then, then you went to, okay. So you had breakfast, right. And then you had to go back. Would you have to go back and do this was the same day. This is still the squat and deadlift max dynamic effort day one. Yep. So we went back to the gym and we did our accessory work. So I started, I did some reverse hypers and then I did some hip hinge belt squats. Is that what they told you to do? Yeah. I just did whatever everybody else in the group was doing. So Louis was watching the other morning group squat and they were the lifters in the morning group. I was with for just, I was doing what they were doing. So it was like a hip hinge belt squat. And then we held it at the end so you couldn't hold it anymore. I did some leg curls, reverse hypers, like I said, and some abs. Okay. What was Louie doing? He was training another group? There was the other morning group. Oh, they come out. They there come. are two morning groups. So they started at seven, I think. Oh my goodness. And they, were, they were the big boys. Like they all were freaking huge. Does he do that on purpose? I think so. He splits them up based off of like how Wait. much weight they're lifting. So it's oh, okay. easier. Okay. So then next day, what did you do? Oh, well, what did you do the rest of the day? Laid on my fucking bed. <laughs> like did you, literally. Did you feel like shit or were you like still kind of pumped up? So I was, I was amped up. 
and like fired up and like there was a moment like everything moved so quick in the morning but there was a moment when i got back to my hotel i was like holy shit like louis Simmons just coached me out of fucking squat yeah i was like that's pretty sick um but just from traveling the day before and being up early i was freaking spent so i just kind of like laid around all day watched a little bit of tv took a nap got, got some food i literally didn't do anything um the rest <laughs> the rest of that day because i had to get up early the following day to do the same thing again so what did you, what time, did you get up at the same time or it was? So he had called me around 8 PM and he's like, Hey, we're going to meet up breakfast at six and then we'll lift after that. So I met them for breakfast at six. We ate, we went to the gym and then we started the bench dynamic effort day. So you didn't get to do a max effort while you were there. I didn't do a max effort while I was there. Are you, ha- what are your thoughts? <laughs> well, so like when I was talking to Louis about the max effort, he's like, any idiot can do max effort work. You just take a single, like. You know, and I was like, do you think the exercise is important, the exercise selection? He's like, well, yeah, of course, because you need to build up weak areas and stuff. But he's like, it's not rocket science. You know, and it's like, I, he thinks the real strength is built on those dynamic effort days. But the max effort has been a part of his programs forever. Like, those singles are important to building, you know, the strain, the coordination under heavy weights, the technique under heavy weights, and building up those joint angles under heavy weights that tend to be weaker. Yes. Um, does he do variation max efforts? Oh, yeah, yeah. Comp- they're all. They're it's never all, comp lifts. The only time they take comp lifts are out of me. Yeah. All right. Okay. Um, and they only just seem to wear their briefs. They don't seem to, like, they don't wear a lot of gear. They I was going to ask, was anyone actually, like, in full nope. multi? Nope. Was multi- when they were doing the squats, they were in briefs, but that was it. Um, bench, everybody did raw. Okay, so explain, we'll explain bench. So the bench max effort, there was... Doubled monster minis. Max effort or dynamic? I mean, dynamic effort. There were doubled monster minis, which for me is about 110 pounds of band tension. I've used that amount of band tension in the bench, but only in the shirt. So I got up to 155. So 155 plus the 110, that's about my 80% that I did for a 5x5. Five five. And it was quick. So like my arms are pretty pumped by the end of it because it's pretty heavy band tension at the top. And like you're trying to move it super fast. So like even for that, my first couple reps were really fast, but like three, four, and five definitely slowed down quite a bit. Mm-hmm. And like they didn't tell me to go down and wait. It was like that was fine using that weight and like that amount of strain on the dynamic effort was fine. It's just a matter of like putting in the work. Um, and they're just yelling at you to move faster. And it's not like it was a ten at the top, but I bet it was like eight and a half, nine RPE. But you failed a couple reps, right? Not in the dynamic effort bench oh okay i that five by five was fine so then we immediately went into two fingers on the smooth close grip bench press and so it started with 225 and i got like i don't know four or five reps maybe three four i don't even remember how many i hit but i literally failed on the last on the last one like it was a fucking 10 and so then i went down to 185 I think for the next one, I just did however many reps uh, the guy before me had done. And he's like, take that fucking bar out of the rack. He's like, the work doesn't start until it starts getting hard. And I'm like, oh, these motherfuckers aren't just doing reps on this. They're like, literally, he wants me to go to fucking failure. So I took it back out and I got it for like, literally until like my arms almost shut off. And then I went to like... <laughs> 165 or 155 something like that and then finally i ended at a plate i did five total sets so i I can't remember kind of what i had hit but i know i started 225 ended at a plate and like same thing like i just took the the plate until like i i barely could clear the fucking bench hooks to get it back in the in the rack so it was five sets like that 
five sets of how many reps? Just until I did five sets to failure. To failure. Okay. That's, okay. Okay. So like they do that with all their accessory movements. Um, so after that, the guy I was training with, he was doing JM press, but Louis was telling me that I need to build up my triceps down by my elbows. So he told me to do eight tricep rollbacks followed by 50 banded press downs. <laughs> so I did the eight rollbacks and I did them pretty heavy for a set of eight. And then immediately went into like, um, the banded press downs, but I definitely grabbed a band that was too heavy. I got like maybe 20 and then I had to like go to the little band and then even a smaller band to finish the set. Cause I just got so burnt out. Oh. Um, but I did four sets of that. Yeah, four sets of the tricep rollbacks into the banded press downs. Then I did four sets of plate raises. I think that was it for the upper body stuff. But again, like that was all done in like half hour, 40 minutes. Like it was so freaking quick. Oh. And like, I'm not even joking. I couldn't even like raise my arms. Um, and Hart, Jeremy Hartman had come up with Shelby Miles. So she had just started like squatting and I was kind of like, hanging out over there. It was like Louie and Jeremy were talking and, and uh, Louie was coaching Shelby on her squats and her, mainly her deadlift. So he was telling her that she wasn't like opening up her hips enough at the start and gave her some like isometric deadlift work to do that she was doing afterwards. It was pretty cool to like watch him coach her and put her in those positions and give her the exercise to help fix that and stuff. And She just won the Arnold, right? Yeah, yeah she the, won. Yeah. The Pro American. Yeah. yeah. And, like, what was cool, too, is, like, so after my squats, he's like, you need more wide stance squat work. So even though I would have done what the group was doing, maybe I, the next time, the next week I was in there, I probably would have widened my stance a little bit just to do some more, like, hit those wide stance angles. Or I would have done some, like, wider stance accessory work to um, open up the hips and, and target those weak areas. And when I was going to the deadlift, so I was initially going to do it sumo in the in my gear, but he told me conventional would be better to work up those weaker areas on me. So I ended up doing raw conventional, um, with them. So like, he kind of gives you feedback in a way that's like, not necessarily like you need to do this on technique, which he did for me on the squat when I needed it, but like on the bench, my technique's pretty fine. Um, so there was not really much to say, but it's more like, these are the areas you need to build up to have a stronger bench. But like my biggest takeaway from the bench training day is like my bench sucks because I absolutely do not train it hard enough. Like I have, n I'm not even fucking like my triceps still fucking hurt yesterday when I was benching really? from being at West side. Like so, it was a deep hurt. So you do, so you train, you train two times there. And then Sunday I went down there to watch George Albert coaches group. Oh, you, I didn't know you watched. Yeah. Did you like chat with him? A very small amount. Not much. Like he was just saying how he doesn't use the same. So he was a Guinea pig for Louie with the band tension and stuff. And he feels that. A lot of the heavy bands kind of like fucked him up over the years. So his group doesn't use a lot of bands like Louie would, but they were, they were benching pretty heavy straight weight. Um, they were working up to a single and he does like singles and triples and fives and, you know, throws in different things like that occasionally. And, you know, the, a lot of them were just older, just wanted to lift some weight. Some of them looked like they were pretty competitive and kind of strong, but it was just like a, a regular group of people. So like to see non West side people and people who just like to lift weights or lifted weights for a period of time, some compete, some don't. It was cool just to see the differences um, and how they set that up. Cause it is yeah. a different population. Yeah. Have you, well, have you talked to, well, I was going to ask your biggest takeaway, but have you talked to Louis since you left? Not since I left. Okay. I haven't talked to him. He didn't invite you to start training with the morning group permanently. <laughs> no. Okay. Um, I feel like you guys get, got along though pretty well we definitely did and i think 
you know, we, we had a good talk, like sitting in his Jeep, just shooting the shit. <laughs> but I think he, um, I think he respected the fact that like, I was able to lift a lot more weight than I was supposed to. And he was telling me that the last person that came did their set of five. Then they said it did a set of two. And then they had a tap out on the training day. I was like, I- I'm not the last person that walked in here. So like, I think he just respected how hard I worked with the squad. And the fact that I lifted way more fucking weight on that bar, like it was like 130 pounds more bar weight at the top. It was 30 pounds more than I've ever squatted in my fucking life. So to take that for a set of 10, I think he was like, he respected the fact that I worked hard enough to, to do something like that. So people do that. They contact Louis somehow like you did and say like, can I just come train? Oh yeah. People do that all the time. Like he's very open. He'll teach anybody or let anybody in there. Um, I do remember a video of, um, a YouTube of like Steffi Cohen and her posse going in there one time and he like, didn't know who she was and, (laughs) and stuff like, so yeah, I I mean, he definitely, it's kind of, it's refreshing that he doesn't know some of the big names too. It's just like, you're just like a body to him that can lift a lot of weight or not. He literally was like, I don't have the internet. I don't want the internet. That's literally what he said to me. So what was the, um, so bringing it back to, um, being back in Boston and, the little stories that you've told us and you've sent us some emails and you wrote an article or two, but what's the biggest takeaway that you're going to take back to implement with PPS? So the biggest takeaway is exactly that we don't, we absolutely do not train hard enough, but there's a smart way of training hard. So it doesn't mean just like taking all your max lifts to failure. Cause that's not what they did. So I would imagine on a typical dynamic effort day when my guess is he made us do a set of 10 just because I was there on those squats. Like, I think he was trying to like, I think he was showing off. I think he was (laughs) trying to like make me fail some reps. I honestly think, you know, the weight got heavier and it's like, well, let's make this harder in a different way and challenge him in a different way. And like, and the fact that I was up to the challenge, that's what I think he like respected. Um, Right. So let's say it was just a five by five. So if you think of it, that 295 plus 250 would have been like an RPE five for me. I could blast through that. And then the five by five deadlifts. Right. But then I'm maxing out on the accessory work. So I'm taking that stuff to failure, but in a smart way too. So I would do the 10 belt squat hip hinge, but then I held the last rep. So like holding the last rep to failure definitely doesn't beat you up the same way as like moving your joints through a range of motion to failure. It's definitely different. Right. Um, So like the fact that like they're smart with how hard that they train, like they pick their spots to do it. And they pick their spots and how to do it. I thought that was really interesting. And like for us, we have days, if we don't have a max effort lift, we'll just get reps on what we took for that max effort exercise the week after. And then just like, it's just a basically a day where everybody just kind of goes through the motions and then leaves the gym. But what we can do now is we can take that percentage weight and just run the percentage as is. But on that secondary and the third movement in our isolation bodybuilding stuff we can take that stuff to failure and still train hard on that day while kind of taking a break from like the barbell lifts themselves um and really like build up some of those weak areas a lot better than we had been building them up before um i think that's the biggest takeaway and like my biggest takeaway personally and i don't know how to institute this but it's like that group training atmosphere fuck your programs and your rpes and how you're feeling on a given day like training with a group of people that literally I'm going to push you to train that hard day in and day out is way more valuable than any program. But for some reason, like powerlifting, and I think this is important for the growth of the sport. Like you could just do it alone in your own fucking workout world rack and 
or at home, well now at home gym. Yeah, so everybody just trains by themselves, so it's easier to do like lighter stuff. And... It's become a little bit more accessible in that sense. Yeah, but it's changed the culture. I mean, well, actually, the I the uniqueness of PPS was at the time before we left our ex is that we had a group that trained together kind of morning, afternoon and night people. Unfortunately, we don't have that anymore, but we did kind of at one point. Sort of, but it's not the same because everybody's doing different exercises. Right. So it's, it's not the same as you're doing what everybody else is doing and you're in that same rotation. There's just something more to training in a group like that than it is everybody in their own different racks, hanging out, joking around. It's, it's a, yeah, it's a very different experience. And I wish powerlifting was more like how it used to be like that with the training groups or how it was at West side. Um, cause I think it was great. Um, that aspect of it. Um, me and Louie had some good conversations also about just like training in general, but like the change in culture of how powerlifting used to be, how it is now. Like everybody used to be willing to just share information with each other and help each other out. That's why Louis the way he is. So anybody can go to his gym and he'll give them the time of day to help them out and like right. do all that stuff. You just don't get that same. There's just not that same culture anymore as there used to be. Yeah. Everything's a competition. And well, it's like, however, anybody, it's like, if it's not the way I do things, if you do things differently, Give me your link with the PMID in the comments of an Instagram post to tell me why, why I should listen to you. And it's like, motherfucker, it's, like have a better attitude. Like it's a shitty culture. Yeah. And I think the culture really only exists in one federation, to be honest. And like, you just, nobody at Westside was like, fuck you. You lived in the IPF. Like they were all very friendly, all willing to help all cheered you on. Like, it was a great experience in general, just for that reason. Like it was a breath of fresh air to be around people who all they gave a shit about. They don't care where you lift, what you lift in. All they cared about was how hard you were training at that moment in time. That's it. Yeah. Well, it benefits them too, to, to train that way as well. So yeah, absolutely. Um, any final thoughts? I just, so for, well, for final thoughts, it's more just like Westside gets a lot of negativity. But, like, Louie's been around a long time. He, when he first started lifting, like, everybody would be like, well, how he coaches is for multiply. When he first started lifting, you weren't even allowed to wear a belt or wrist wraps. Like, it was raw. And there was no equipment, zero equipment. And even when they first started bringing in equipment, it, it maybe added 10 pounds to your lifts, 20 pounds to your lifts. And it was extremely uncomfortable. You weren't getting equipment that's adding 200, 300, 400 pounds to your lifts. Okay. It was very minimal. So like even our current single ply stuff was probably more like, you know, multiply stuff in the early nineties. It wasn't, it took time for the gear to get where it is. And like, he was around for a long time before it got to that point and say it's just for multiply or drugs or it's, it's not, there's more to it than that. And like, by experiencing it, I could just, I could feel that. And like being part of the history of the sport in a place like that was just like an experience alone. And I think many people, especially in the like USAPL, IPF world, they just, they think like powerlifting started in 2013 when raw lifting started and they just forget about all this stuff in the past, or they're just unaware of the history of the sport and where this stuff came from. And it leads to like coaches and lifters alike, just 
philosophies being dictated by scientific research done on weak ass fucking lifters as opposed to like yeah weightlifters half the time or untrained lifters or trained lifters that have 300 pound squats like male 200 pound lifters with 300 pound squats it's like this doesn't matter like there is decades of figuring this shit out that the russians did the Bulgarians had all the weightlifting stuff that West Side was around for. And even before West Side, Culver City, like this stuff, people have been getting really strong in these ways for a long period of time. That's just almost like it's almost like a forgotten past in the world of powerlifting. And I think the culture, um, I think the training, I think everything would be improved if people just paid a little bit more attention to it. Anything else? I did have a thought and um now I completely, it, I completely lost it. But um, oh, I was gonna say, um, a good small resource right on this um, Boston Strongcast is a history of powerlifting with Zach Cooper. Right. If anyone's interested in listening, I don't know the episode. Alyssa could it's early. It, it is early. It's like episode like twenty or something. Um, I actually learned a lot from that. Um, that had definitely changed my view, especially being um, kind of coming into the uh, USAPL when I was like pushing 30 years old anyways, it helped me respect some of the older people a little bit. And some of the coaches I found to be annoying. I'm like, oh, they're not really annoying. They're just actually probably more annoyed with me or with us because we're the new people. And we, it's just a, it's just a small lack. It, it was, it's a lack of respect on my end that I didn't know. And then when I heard this, this podcast, it definitely, um, opened my eyes a little bit. And then also another more recent one was with Mike, um, no, that's it. Yes. But Mike, um, with the G starts with the G. Oh, go on. Yeah. Which also he's been competing for, you know, years and years and years. And, um, it's definitely, I think, you know, when I see the, for me, the 20 somethings on Instagram and I'm like, I just think it would be, it's just a good idea to know the history of the sport that you're competing in. So. Right. And if somebody like Louis Simmons can give me the time of day and coach or Shaco did the same thing back in the day, like he didn't care. He was all about helping me. Um, and it's just like a general attitude that like they have that you just don't see anymore. Like nobody helps each other out. And I think we need to get back to that, to doing that. Or it's yeah. just because the culture sucks and it needs to get better. I'm done. All right. So guys, you can follow me on Instagram. It's KW can our team precision power lifting systems and give Jay birdie a follow it at Jay birdie. <laughs> Stay strong, Boston. <laughs>